When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne. This is our What's the Headline podcast. I think we're up to number 50, man. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, word. And it's a, it's a perfect way to bring in what we're going to do today. We're going to do something a little special. Each year, uh, Jake used to nudge me and push me into doing a half a half or half of the year at the half of the year review of the best albums of the year thus far. And so we're going to do that. We're going to limit it to 10. If anyone checked it out, you can check it out. Uh, We did our top 20 of 2020 in December. And we'd like to keep ourselves honest by putting a cap on it. You know, typically it's 15 albums because 20 is quite a bit. And, you know, we could just do endless albums, but we think there's something special about really honing in and finding the top albums of the year at a set number. So this year, this year we're going to do 10 for the mid-year review. And I got to say, we do not know how it's going to end, same as last time. And you know, we've got six or seven that we agree upon, and then we've got another seven or so that both of us like, and we're going to hash it out, and hopefully we'll get to 10. I would love your comments. Uh, anybody who's watching this on YouTube, you can also listen on Spotify, Apple Music, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. Thank you for the attention, uh, for your attention, for your time, all that stuff. And uh, yo, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well. I love what you just said. I, I really have appreciated reading the comments um, on all the different you know platforms. It, it, it's such an honor that people want to spend their time um listening you know to you and i you know hash it out and uh yeah it's it's great to be here man it's been a really interesting year for music what kind of um what kind of 2021 do you think it's been well yo you know before we get into that man i, w- I want to ask you a couple questions okay uh, we should talk about this set this up so how many albums would you say you listen to on average per week wow new, new albums so full disclosure I, uh, you know, I have a nice flat screen TV. It's not even plugged in. Like I am somebody that uh, pretty much consumes almost all of my media through audio at this point. Um, you know, I wake up every morning and I, I do, you know, news, news podcasts, New York Times, NPR, and then I go right into music. And for me, it's always a balance of classics, you know, things you want to hear, songs, albums, et cetera. I've been doing this thing and I think I've shared on the pod where I've, I've been revisiting a lot of things that people tell me they like that I might've looked over throughout the years. And then I always, um, whether I've been daily in the industry or, you know, freelancing, doing side hustles, I always want to just listen to what's coming out in hip hop. So to answer your question, I mean, you know, at any given point, I'm probably consuming 20 new hip hop albums a week. Um, you know, and, and at the beginning of a year that leads into, you know, that bleeds into the previous year, but yeah. What about you? So that's like, 
a thousand albums per week just on the hip hop tip, right? A thousand albums? I sorry, would say sorry, a thousand albums per year uh, on the hip hop tip. So last year when they do that, you know, Spotify wrapped up. I think they told me I listened to between three and four thousand artists last year. Um, and I'm somebody, you know, I, I run through a lot of playlists, so don't get that conf- You know, that 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 sounds a little probably inflated to what it is, but yeah, I would say very much. You know, that kind of consumption. And so, and all of that is hip hop, or or is there in addition to that is there stuff from other genres? Stuff from other genres. I mean, as far as new music, you are one of my main sources. Um, you know, like if, if you like, I think last year you you kind of put me up on the new Tame Impala album and, you know, I, I was certainly aware of them, but but fell down a rabbit hole with that. Um, you know, there's there's a few folks in my ecosystem that I really tap into and trust or I might read a review. But most of that is hip hop. Uh, as far as new music, my daily consumption, you know, usually after news, I, I slide into jazz or, you know, you tell me I don't like R&B. So I'll say I listen to a lot of classic soul music. Um, and then by lunchtime, I'm, I'm into beats, rhymes and life. And I do love, I mean, not for nothing. I love classic rock. I love sixties and seventies and early eighties, you know, pop rock, a lot of that stuff too. So it's always, it's always a balance, but hip hop is my dominant genre far and away. All right. So last couple of questions and then I'll answer these myself too. Um, what percentage of the hip hop albums you listen to, would you say fit with the scope of AFH? great question i would say 60 percent. i mean you and i over our next month makes the you know eight years of working together you know there have been times where we've we've really um challenged i think the afh ecosystem but a lot of it has been um a mirror of of really your taste but also mine um but it's funny like you know i look at this list that we're going to talk about today and I've been asking myself over the weekend of like, what are we missing? What am I overlooking? And, and it's funny because one of my favorite, probably not 10, but, but right now 15 albums of the year is Khaled's album. Um, you put me on to the Young Dolph uh, Key Glock album, which I've been really enjoying. So there's always things that I like and listen to that don't fit the AFH uh, space, you know. Okay. All right. That, that's dope, man. That's, that's great to hear. Um, so I'll run down my two. I think it's important to talk about this, you know, for anybody checking in to let people know, one, that we have a, a very, very strong filter for AFH. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes it's easy to confuse us praising everything that we talk about with us with thinking that we like everything that we listen to. And that's not remotely the case. The whole point of AFH is really to give a curated experience uh, of the finest hip hop. And in order to do that, Jake and I power through a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff to get to what we think is the best and what we believe um, you all will think is the best too. And so for me, um, you know, I'm a dude who who bought 5,000 CDs with his own money, you know, just always been like an absolute just music junkie. And in school, was using my school loans and doing all sorts of dumb things, running up credit card debt, buying, uh, buying music. And so now to be able to have it at my fingertips for, you know, 10, 12 bucks a month is absolutely insane. So I go through a similar process as you, you know, on Friday mornings, my routine is to scroll, scroll through the, the, the new music. I'll look at it on Apple Music because I, I, I set that up based on, you know, on my iTunes and on my playlist from like decades of, of um 
ripping. And then I look at it on Spotify and Spotify has a really skewed perspective of what my taste is because, you know, primarily listen to the AFH podcast there, or sorry, the AFH playlist there. And which, you know, by the way, will feature all the music that we're going to discuss today. And so Spotify thinks I'm a, a dude who just strictly listens to hip hop, you know, but I also confuse the algorithm by listening to a lot of um, kind of, I listen to rap radar and playlists like that too. Sorry, rap uh, caviar to make sure that I'm keeping my ears fresh and not just too deep into the AFH scope of content. But I would love for people, you know, to drop in the comments if you think that there's some things that we mentioned as sort of our guilty pleasures that we should be indulging in more for AFH also. You know, we try a lot on our Facebook and social media. And like Jake said, we'll stretch things. We've put Trippy Red on our pocket, on our playlist in the past. We've put um, XXX Tentacion but things that really fit within that boom bop, boom bap lens. And so, um, you know, it is, it's, um, it's interesting and, and difficult to know exactly what the scope for AFH is. And I think I started it out a little bit broader. I used to have a lot of Drake and super pop Nicki Minaj and stuff like that. And, you know, gradually we started to tighten it a little bit, you know, I got called out for that a number of times yeah. before you join. Um, but still, you know, I think, um, you know, that there's room to continue to expand the brand. But, um, you know, I used to go and buy, I'd say, between four to six albums per week. Wow. Now I will listen to between five and 10. So it's interesting, you know, it's it's up a little bit, but it's not up a ton from back in the day. And part of that's just a function of time. But I treat it very much like research and homework, like you do as well. And uh, I'll start off with the AFH uh, relevant albums because I'm usually ske- uh, skewing and, and lo- skewing and looking for things for the, the playlist skimming. And then I'll start to expand it to things that I think keep my ears fresh and young. So I'll go to at the, the Gunna and like Young Thug or you know, Polo G or Migos or whatever the you know the releases of the of the week for artists of of the particular moment and I tend to gravitate toward even those current artists who have been around for a little bit like Migos I love that album actually put a song on the playlist this week for it Um, and then I'll I'll hit other things too which I call palate cleansers I think it's really important if you are uh, either making hip-hop or evaluating it to keep your ears um, you know fresh with other genres of music so that you can hear things like from a different perspective and so I'll listen to, um, you know, Billie Eilish or, you know, Casey Musgraves. I like a lot of female voices and things like that. So I'd say that I listen to, you know, 510. So that's what, 250, 500 albums per year. And it might be a little bit more than that. And that's just the the new stuff. You know, the old stuff, I've got a a ton of stuff as well. So we try and do our homework for this. Um, We try to be really respectful of your time um, by dedicating our time. And so, that's it, man. That's the setup. But so, so you said um, albums for twenty twenty, uh, the year in twenty twenty one. What was your question earlier? Yeah, I mean, just just what kind of year do you think it's been in music so far? Man, I think it has been a fantastic year in music, um, and it's not surprising when you think about it. When you step back. Twenty twenty was pretty good. Um, I thought that the albums that were nominated for the Grammys were amazing. There's a lot of good high quality underground music, um, but it was a bit of a quiet year. And I had expected people to be releasing more music given the, the year that we had. But I think what happened is that 
people spent that year reflecting, creating, and really decided to let the floodgates open in 2021 in anticipation of being able to go out and tour and make um, more money off the music they're creating. And so now I think we've had an amazing first half of the year so far, a lot of variety. Uh, we've had some heavyweights come out. I think we are expecting more in the form of like Kendrick and Travis Scott and Drake. Um, you know, so I think it's been a really good year so far. How about you? I agree. And I think that, you know, especially in the first three or four months of the year, you know, people were by and large still inside, both due to quarantine as well as weather, um, you know, for a lot of the country, a lot of the world. And I think that it was a really good space for, you know, the kind of like headphone rap, you know what I mean? Like, I think that we've seen some really dense didactic MCs. I think we've seen some really interesting dark production in 2021 that reflects the times. I'm curious now that we're, you know, at an alarming rate, the world is opening up around us. And, and now people are, are not just ready to go out, but they've been ready for, you know, a year and a half to go out. So I'm very curious what we're going to see. But I think it's been an impressive year. And I think that it's, it's, it's a very level playing field. Like even that term underground, I struggle with. And I know what you mean. But, you know, you look at some of the numbers that quote unquote underground artists are doing. And, and it's insane right now, just in terms of streams, for the reasons you just said of, of having it at your fingertips, you no longer have to seek out, you know, a fat beats or an independent, you know, record store hip hop shop and, and shout out to all of them that are fighting the good fight. But, you know, you can, you, we can all find the same albums on Friday morning at the same time. And I think that that leads to a really exciting horizon for, for hip hop, especially. Yeah, that's a good point. I think underground is really kind of defined relative to radio play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point, radio is less and less relevant now. It's really about streaming platforms. I think, you know, it's a counterpoint to mainstream for me. And I like our, our uh, brother, you know, um, the brand, Justin Hunt's term, connoisseur rap. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think it says a lot, you know, um, it's about discerning taste and, and things like that. Not to say that, you know, um, you know, our, our preference, meaning the AFH community's preferences better than others. But, you know, I do think that we, we tend to be, you know, connoisseurs of rap historically and, you know, and now too. And so I like that term. Um, so we got, we're going to, we're going to cut this list to 10, right? And right That's now, we've agreed on about seven or so, and we got another seven or eight that both of us are going to go through and try and figure out what will get those last three spots, man. So I thought it was going to be tough when we did this for 2020, and it ended up not being too difficult. This one, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We might be here for a long time. You might have to make this a lot of stream. So, you know, <laughs> get some input. I but, feel it, yeah. Yeah, so um, the way we're going to do it is each one of us gonna, is going to present an album, um, whether or not we agree upon it. And then uh, toward the end, we're going to present albums that we're kind of advocating for. Uh, we'll break it down. We'll talk about um, general themes of the album, um, you know, production on it, key tracks, features, things like that, and, you know, and uh, break it down. But again, all this music is featured on our playlist on Spotify. You can find that. It's just Ambrosia for Heads. And yo, let's, uh, you ready to kick it off? Let's do it. 
You're up first. Yeah, um, I'll take first, man. So first should be no surprise. If you if you listen to our playlist or, or read our site over the last couple of years, I don't know that there's been a single artist who has been featured more than this artist on the playlist, you know, either by way of his own projects, which are voluminous or, you know, through features, which are also um, quite often, uh, but it's Benny the Butcher from Griselda. Uh, he released The Plugs I Met 2 this this year, um, a sequel to an album that came out in 2019. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first album had Royce 5-9, uh, Pusha T, uh, was just absolutely black thought black thought yeah unbelievable it was benny's coming out party in my opinion you know he had been around a lot of people who follow things closely knew who he was but this one i think going toe-to-toe with mcs like that and and holding his own and and, and or like you know um you know winning showed just what a phenomenal mc he is uh the beats were pristine really amazing and so Plugs on Matt too uh, carried a lot of weight, a lot of ex- you know, uh, pun intended, a lot yeah. of expectations. Eighteen wheeler weight. Um, and one yeah. one thing I want to add, not to correct you, but you know, because Benny, so yeah, we'll get to it too. I think uh, Harry. No, no, no. I was just gonna say yeah. uh, Royce was on Tana Talk Three, and that all came out in an onslaught. But you know, the push, the uh, you know, Jada Kiss. Um, you know, Black Dot, that was Plugs I'm at One. And I know it's easy to put okay. that together. Yeah, go, but go, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, word, word. Yeah, so he's going he's going hard against lots of MCs over a couple of projects. Plugs I'm at Two, um, he did something different. He made the entire album in collaboration with Harry Fraud, a producer who is, you know, you know, so Benny's typically over Derringer beats, he's over Alchemist beats, he's expanded to Hit Boy recently. Harry Fraud, I think, fits that genre uh, that Alchemist and Derringer have, a very uh, soulful, eerie, dark um, um, street vibes, um, for lack of a better term, just dark chords and um, really, you know, just soulful, soulful music. And so I can see that, that, that pairing. And it's interesting to hear Benny on this. This is the second album of the last like year, 12 months or so, where he's done it with one, um, one producer, you know, he did his album, um, with Hit Boy also, um, and I'm forgetting what's, uh, what's, what's that one called? Um, Burden of Proof. Burden of Proof. Yes. Thank you. And so I like Benny with these cohesive sounding projects, you know, it's short, um, only 28 minutes, far from sweet, you know, given the subject matter that he's covering. He definitely goes back and revisits a lot of the things that he covered on uh, Plugs on Met One. Um, and in my opinion, I don't think it's as strong as the original, but it is consistent with Benny's catalog over the last several years, which has been incredibly, incredibly strong. Um, you, you think it's better or as good as Plugs on Met One? No, I agree with you. I think Plugs on Met One is a really high bar, but I definitely think this is this is one of you know, the better albums. And we'll talk about that later of, of 2021. Yeah. So key features on it are Chinks, Two Chains, Fat Joe, French Montana, um, and Rick Hyde. Uh, French Montana, Jim Jones, and Rick Hyde. So right off, like, the features are very different uh, than those on Plugs on Met 1. Uh, Plugs on Met 1 was just straight, just like ill lyricists, you know, uh, guys who just like, you know, just 
just like, you know, just are eating MCs like for dinner, you know. Um this well, these features are, are Harry Fraud's people, right? Is that yeah, is that right? Like um well some like, you know, but like I don't think two chains and fat Joe guys like that. Like Benny's Benny's going more mainstream on this one. And he did so on Burden of Proof too. You know, he had a feature he had a song with Lil Wayne and Big Sean. Um he's gradually getting us are prepared our ears prepared for the the track that is rumored to be out there with drake uh you know and showcasing that he can rhyme with anyone whether it be those from the underground or those from the mainstream and this one is much more leaning toward the mainstream tip you know french montana things like that um so key tracks for me not surprisingly, uh, joints are on the playlist. So overall, featuring Chinks is just like you know, incredibly soulful, very much in pocket with what you know uh, what we expect from Benny. Live by it. Um, the production of that's outstanding. It's a lot of movement, a lot of strings. Um, very very lush production, and I find Benny's flow is at its finest on this track. You know, just really in the pocket. Talking back. Um, Benny and Fat Joe um, on that, like, that's a surprising one, man. Like, I, I did not expect him to be on a track with Fat Joe. And the surreal, cool, like, you know, a lot of flute on, on the track. And he and Joe sound surprisingly great together, man. Like, really, really good. Um, their styles mesh. Um, neither one of them is, uh, you know, both are, say really dope, substantive things, but no, neither one is like the the rappy rap guy, the super lyrical, you know, guy who's going to just, you know, have, you know, a hundred words per sentence and stuff like that. They're very um, efficient with their words. So um, it, their styles complement each other really nicely. And then last is Thanksgiving, which I think is the, was the first single. Um, that one is when I first heard it, I have to admit, I was a little bit disappointed because I had a sound in mind that I was expecting based on plugs I'm at one. But when I listened to it more for what it was, it grew on me. And I love what Benny is saying. And, you know, he's, he's like, you should thank me basically for being in this game and blessing it. Like it's really, really dope thing. So that's my take on, on, on uh, Benny and Harry Frost plugs I'm at too. So for me to kick things off, I'm going to go with an album that's been out one of the longest albums, you know, released early this year is Mad Lib Sound Ancestors. Um, you know, so Mad Lib's coming off of, you know, even though he's, you know, at this point, 25 plus years removed from, uh, you know, his, some of his first placements on the Alcoholic second album, uh, you know, as a producer and, and working with Loot Pack, he just continues to climb. Um, you know, and, and every, it seems like every three or four years, Madlib gets this turbo pack and does all these things. And, you know, certainly Pinata with Freddie Gibbs was eye-opening to a lot of people because I think at a time when Freddie was finding his way um, in album making, I mean, Lord knows he'd been around a while. It was an unlikely pairing and both of those guys outdid themselves, you know, at the top of the last decade. And then more recently in 2019, when they came to the table with Bandana, um, just truly remarkable. And, and to watch Mad Lib and Gibbs uh, on RCA keep cool records. So to have a big budget behind them to make these really interesting music videos that kind of played into a narrative, it was just wild to see. And I imagine, I mean, I don't think our readers, but I imagine a lot of, you know, the listening community at large, that was a good jumping off point for both of those artists. In 2019, I think you and I both agreed 
um, you know, that album and Rhapsodies were really kind of two of our top contenders. Um, Grammy snub, of course, um, but great to see those guys. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, our readers in 2019 declared that the best album, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And we ran that the night of the 2020 Grammy Awards, which of course is the day that uh, you know Kobe, his daughter, and, and five others passed. So after all of that, what does Madlib do next? He comes back with another instrumental album. And you know, for those that have been paying attention on Madlib's, you know, even when he was with Stone's Throw, he'd just been churning out these beat conductor albums most of his career, and he doesn't deviate from that formula. Um, you know, he put out something like. You know, there were so many volumes of those Beat Conductor series in the mid 2010s, um, and you really had to be a diehard fan to follow. But he puts out this new joint called Sound Ancestors, and it very much upholds that structure. What's so interesting about this album to me is that it's really a collaboration, um, but you pick it up, only Madlib's name is on it, but it's a collaboration with Fortet, which, um, you know, electronic music heads may know, London born. Um, you know, veteran career kind of uh, is parallel to Mad Libs, goes back to the late 90s, had remixed Doom, had remixed J-Lib, had opened for Radiohead. I mean, Fortet is a star, um, whether folks are aware or not. And Fortet co-writes this, um, arranges, edits, curates, um, does all of the things behind the scenes with Mad Lib. And, and, and Mad Lib recently talked about this on Talib Kweli's People's Party podcast. Um, but again, all of that said, it, it's everything that for folks that have been paying attention, you expect. So an instrumental album um, and another case, like you said, the first single is one of the key tracks for me, uh, Road of the Lonely Ones. And Madlib has this incredible ability. He always has of taking sometimes simple, sometimes complex instrumental songs and just injecting them with emotion. Um, and that's so interesting to me because you know, I watched the interview with Talib Kweli and, and Kweli is hands down one of my favorite interviewers, especially of, of hip hop peers. And I think Kweli struggled a bit and him and Madlib have history, but Madlib is a difficult interview. He is not a very chatty person. He's a big like three word answer guy. Very matter of fact, very like, you know, I put shit out, do what you do with it, what you will. But yet you go to his music and there's so much depth and range there. And I've, that is a song that I continue to come back to. Another one is Dirt Knock, which I look at and I'm like, damn, I think this is the Fortet influence because there's a female vocal um, and it kind of has this like, you know, lo-fi indie rock quality to it. And Mad Lib still just hits it with that knock, you know, pun intended to the title of just the way he lays out his percussion. Um, and then, you know, you go off a of title and it's on the playlist, it's on the AFH playlist, but two for two for Dilla. Um, you know, I think that along with like T3, Madlib has really um, honored, and, and The Roots did it too, but he's really honored Dilla since he passed. I mean, those guys made an incredible album together with the J-Lib Project, Champion Sound. But I remember in 2009, Madlib, um, released the Beat Conductor Volume 5 and 6, which is really one of his favorite works of this kind. And I think this one competes on that level. And that, that project was an homage to Dilla. And so that you're getting more of that here um, with kind of a needle drop, um, very like purist hip hop sound. You got the echo chamber in there. 
it's just classic Mad Lib. And, and I love this album. I think it has incredible longevity. I think that, you know, like so much of his catalog, I'll be listening to this, you know, Lord willing, when I'm in my 50s and 60s, it's, it's, it's music you can put on for a dinner party. It's music you can put on in the car. It's music you can play for somebody. And you and I have, have gone to the mat for instrumental albums before. Um, you know, a few years ago, Pete Rock put out Return of the SP-12, uh, hundred and and you and I really got behind that album, which was just a series of beats. And and this is another one that takes a genre that I feel like often breaks away from hip hop. And and it's a great reminder that this album should be compared side by side with, you know, um, lyrical hip hop too. Yeah, man, it's hard to pull off a great instrumental album. A lot of times they can get repetitive and easy to kind of zone out but these two that you just mentioned in particular are standouts for me and Madlib definitely pulled it off for me so cool um, next one for me is Judas and the Black Messiah this is music inspired by the film uh, that starred Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya and uh, Lakeith Stanfield um, really powerful film uh, won a couple of Academy Awards and uh, you know a lot of awards before that um, the soundtrack to me is outstanding. Uh, it's hard for me to think about it as being inspired by because I don't hear a lot of themes captured in the album that were, you know, relevant to the movie. But um, there are a couple tracks that do. But as a soundtrack, for me, it's a throwback to the ones of the 90s. You know, some of the great ones like Juice and Minutes to Society and Boys in the Hood that were just packed with like the current stars of the time. Um, to me, it stands as a 2020s version of that with just an incredible, incredible all-star lineup. Um, like those albums too, it's a nice blend of hip hop and soul. It's not just straight rap music. Mixes things up and keeps it fresh for you. And then Hit Boy, who executive produced it, uh, you know, just continues his winning streak of 2020 where he produced uh, Benny and Nas and uh, I can't remember who else, but just had a great like all-star year. So for me, I, I went into this with a lot of expectations given the track list and his involvement and it didn't disappoint. You know, the features on the album that the artists featured are Her, Nas, Black Thought, Nipsey Hussle, Jay-Z, De La Soul, uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, J.I.D., Rhapsody, Masego, Smino, Saba, Dom Kennedy, B BJ the Chicago Kid, ASAP Rocky, and his namesake Rakim. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And that's not even the full track list of, of features, but just some of the, the key ones that I pulled out. Key tracks. Um, you know, it starts off with an intro from Fred Hampton, which is appropriate, you know, a, a snippet of a speech of his, but then jumps into Fight for You by her. And that song to me is a perfect. Um, a perfect way to kick this off because it really is an ode to the times in terms of its sound. It sounds like it's a um, Sly Stone sample or if not very much aligned with Sly Stone's sound and her just continues to impress, man. Phenomenal guitarist, phenomenal uh, pianist. Um, her tone is just incredible and she can do any style, but you know, she seems to be really at home with these kind of old soul vibes. So it's a really great way to kick it off, um, uh, there's Plead the 45th, which is Smino and Saba. So Saba is an AFH favorite. You know, we did a, a showcase back, uh, and I think in 2016 for South by Southwest, 
we had a phenomenal lineup. Elsai, um, Paige Kennedy, Nick Grant, Ninth Wonder, and Rhapsody, um, King Crooked. Just, uh, just a really, really great lineup. And the only person that we didn't get that I really, really wanted was Saba. Uh, you know, I just think this guy is incredibly talented. Chicago MC, uh, down with the likes of like Vic Mensa and Chance the Rapper. And Smino is someone who's really gotten on my radar lately. Everything I hear from Smino, I love, man. And Smino mm-hmm. just waxes this track. He's got a sing-songy style, almost like a domino, um, you know, but just really incredibly talented. So Plead the 45th is a great one. And it uses a sample that um, I was I was like, yo, I know that sample. And it's actually from Reason from TDE had a song called Fall which is great. Uh, also big in our place for quite some time. And it, it uses a uh, slowed down version of the same sample. Really dope. Respect My Mind is a song by Dom Kennedy. Um, it's, you know, Dom is another guy who's been like, you know, around percolating, he problem. Um, you know, some of those guys on the West Coast who've just been mainstays in, in that sound for, you know, well over a decade now. And Dom is on a song called Respect My Mind, sounding as good as he's sounded in a long time. Um, very much an ode to kind of G-Funk. Sounds great. But I think the, the, the kind of cornerstone of the album, the one that people were anticipating the most and was delivered to was What It Feels Like. And that is a track featuring the late, great Nipsey Hussle and the first time that he, he and Jay-Z are on a track. And to me, this one really kind of embodies the themes, especially... Jay-Z's verse. It was clear. This album came out, I think, in late January, early February at the latest. And Jay-Z's verse had references to the January 6th, um, you know, uprising at the Capitol. And so clearly Hove wrote that, you know, um, um, very timely. Must have been one of the last verses to come in on the album and speaks not only to to that incident, but draws parallels to the, the things that have happened over the years to citizens of this country who are black and, you know, really, really powerful. So, you know, all in all, just a a really great listen, a lot of, a lot of great music. It's dominating our playlist right now. Yeah, man, I enjoyed that album. And it's funny. It's another case where you have these huge artists and that draws me in. And one of the songs that I really like on there is I declare war by Nardo Wick, which was an artist that I was new to, um and then went down a rabbit hole and seeing the other things that he's done i think he's like 16 or 17 years old and um i really i I enjoy that album a lot too um so for me next up is crisis the hour of crisis um crisis is one of these guys you know many people associate him with the justice league you know which was the north carolina group that you know was kind of the um affiliates of little brother and out of that we got you know median sean don the away team um you know uh joe scudda on and on and on and that was a really fun that was a really fun time in the mid 2000s when you know it just seemed like every artist out of nc or that had gone to north carolina central had something really interesting to say and while ninth wonder was the focal producer around it crisis was kind of um I would say the alchemist to his premiere or the alchemist to his mugs at the time of like, you know, this other guy who was making these incredible beats and, you know, over time, wherever ninth seemed to go, crisis was right there. And over the years, you look at, you know, the Sean Price monkey bars album onion head is actually produced by crisis. 
Um, you look at Rhapsody and Anderson Pack's Ooey from a few years ago. It's a crisis joint. Um, and even on an album we'll talk about later today, the Busta Rhymes ELE2, he did Best I Can, which is the Rhapsody joint. Um, crisis did a lot of the uh, Smith & Wesson album um, that came out recently. So big part of the Soul Council, um, you know, and just uh, a fixture of hip hop. But that being said, I mean, Crisis has put out, um, he's put out some, some stuff over the years, but it's always been under the guise of another name. He's got instrumental projects, but he was part of the away team uh, with Sean Boog. They put out a series of albums. More recently, he did Jericho Jackson um, with uh, Elzai, you know, so we got that a few years ago. But this time, it's all about Crisis. So it's, it's a perfect title. Um, it is one of those compilation producer style albums. It reminds me a lot of, based on the, the, the artists, I mean, these are spitter spitters. It reminds me a lot of kind of those early independent status selecta albums or those Marco Polo albums. Um, but just, it's a, it's a demonstration of all that crisis can offer. Um, super, super talented dude. And all over the playlist, you and I really went crazy over this. Came out on Jamla. But the joints that I would highlight are Keep Walking On, which is uh, the Dell, the Funky Homo Sapien track. I don't, you mentioned him on, on the, the Black Judas soundtrack. I'm not sure Dell's on there, is he? Uh, on the, on the um, you know what? You're right. You're right. I had, I had that uh, from the crisis. You're right. You're right. Right. Um, and, and I don't mean to be yeah. Mr. Correction, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to anticipate no. the commenters. Got to be, be accurate. Thank you. Yeah. Dell sounds as on point on this song as he has in 10 years. And that's not a knock at Dell. I love this joint. Um, the big one that's exciting. And you and I spent the last podcast talking about them is, is De La Soul on Mr. Big Mouth, which, you know, De La had delivered, um, you know, in the anonymous nobody in 2016, we've gotten a few joints from them as Lucy's, but this is De La doing what De La did best, especially early in their career, just kind of having fun. One of those songs that, lyrically references you know 20 other songs but they're just having fun with kind of a whimsical beat um you know and the other joint uh for an artist that i'll talk about in a minute is asylum which uh features evidence and evidence has been one of those artists um that has worked a lot with crisis over the years and it's 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 a song that's so introspective and lucid it could very easily belong on an ev album but it goes on crises. Um, notably, too, he's got Rhapsody and Sarok on the same on the same song, which is a great just gesture of unity from you know two of the best women doing it. Period, and and two of, I would say, two of the just great MCs of the moment. Um, but I really, really enjoy this album. And there's something so special about producer albums because you know you're really getting you know I think it's true of, of the Hit Boy project too. You're watching them work with all of these different people and kind of get in where they fit in. And Crisis is just such an OG. I mean, we're coming up on 20 years in the game, and I think he did it years ago, but, you know, he stands on his own too. And the Soul Council and Jamla, it's bigger than Ninth. Um, there's all of these phenomenal producers there. And this is just a great reminder of that. And this is one of those albums that I, I really kind of want to sing into the heavens because um, I think anybody that's new to it or wasn't aware that it existed, you will not be disappointed. Were yeah, so you're right. I had the um, De La and Del tracks from that mixed up with Judas and the Black Messiah because those two albums are like phenomenal compilation albums and, and like really dominant on our playlist. 
So, and it came out really, uh, I think, within a week or so of one another, right? It was very, yes. very close. Um, so let me ask you this. So in considering best album, do you think that it's fair to allow for albums like this, Judas and the Black Messiah and um, Khaled's album, you know, compilation albums that feature multiple artists to be considered in the best rap album category? Do you think that should belong to like a single artist? No, I do. I do. I think that, you know, the argument can always be made for a single artist, but, you know, I don't like to follow in the Grammys footsteps too much, but it was, it was uh, two years ago, right? When they had the Dreamville compilation um, in there, you know, Revenge of the Dreamers, which is a compilation style album. I mean, yes, it's, it's one label kind of showcasing, but absolutely. And, and that's just, I mean, this is the world that we live in. Do you object? You know, I'm split. I think, I think it should have its own separate category. I think it should be, you know, uh, best compilation or soundtrack, you know, whatever it might be, because I don't think that, um, you know, I don't think it's a fair fight, basically, you know, it's like taking the NBA all-star team and putting it up against like, you know, the great contender of the West, the East, whatever it is. I think it's just different. Um, and so, yeah, I, w- I would prefer to keep it more pure and have it be, you know, artists against artists, but um, it's interesting. We'll see how it, ha- it stacks up this year. So next up for me is one that should be no surprise to anyone. Um, and that, we have both gone on record saying that we think it's the best album of 2021 so far. And that is J. Cole's The Off Season. This is a big one, you know, one of hip hop's, you know, 2010's Mount Rushmore MCs. There's a lot of controversy, um, a lot of IG, um, you know, contests going around where people got, and there's one for um, Mount Rushmore for Atlanta, I just saw um, floating around. But there's one recently uh, for the MCs of the 2010s, and it had, Drake, J. Cole, and Kendrick, and I think there was a fourth spot to, to figure out who we should go to. Jake and I said that was Travis Scott. Um, but Cole is 100% on that Mount Rushmore, so for him to release an album is a big deal. We had not heard an album from Cole, a full album, since 2018's KOD. Uh, he was on Revenge of the uh, Dreamers 3 that Jake just referenced. Um, you know, a couple tracks. Not He didn't have a ton of presence on that, mm-hmm. so it didn't feel like a Cole album at all to me. But this one came with a lot of anticipation. He only gave us a week's notice that it was coming out. Although, um, unbeknownst to us, we had heard one of the the songs, The Climb Back, um, uh, almost a year before this came out as part of a three-pack that Cole released summer of 2020. Um, But this one, you know, uh, Cole released uh, a a tweet saying, uh, you know, new album coming in a week. He then put out a... um, documentary 12 minutes on youtube which he tends to do just kind of giving us a setup for what the mode was mentality was he was in mixtape mode in the sense that he went back to his uh, classic the warm-up mixtape to find the hunger almost like rocky four he went back to russia you know and trained in like you know dungeons and basements and stuff like that um just really wanting to outdo himself you know he got up every day writing and was just really, really in the zone for that. And then he did an LA Leakers freestyle, which showed us that he was just, he was not playing, you know, two different beats, murdered it. I still think the best freestyle 2021 so far. And, um, you know, that was pretty much his rollout, not a, not a ton of stuff. Um, and then he released Interlude, 
um, the day before, which was uh, one of the tracks from the album uh, as as a kind of like what we thought was the first single before we saw the full track list. So general things about this, I think it, it, it's cold in mixtape shape. Um, I've, I've, I've said already in our review that I think this is a mixtape in disguise. That is not in any way a knock on the quality. It's more a statement of the mentality and the aggressiveness and what Cole is trying to convey about his status of an MC, as an MC, not having any cares in the world about radio singles, just really in it for the purity of the of the music and for what he loves. So that's what I mean by being in mixtape mode. He's got uh, he covers a wide ranging topics on it, everything from Black Lives Matter um, issues on prelude to being a father on, you know, uh, let go of my hand and wanting his damn respect too. You know, uh, he's like saying, listen, um, all this chatter about like me, maybe, and arguably and all the other stuff needs to go. Like I'm, I'm that guy period. Uh, and he also flexes a lot of new flows. You know, we saw this on KLD. He started introducing new flows over different styles of production. He continues that on this, and never does he lose himself or sound like he's chasing trends. Instead, he's taking current sounds of the moment and putting a stamp on it. So really just, I think, an awesome showcase for just how talented Cole is as an MC. Uh, features. Typically, this would be a very short section of the, the album review because Cole has not had features for quite some time, but he actually opens back up. He talks about it in his documentary, Applying Pressure. He says, do I really want to go down in history as a dude who never rapped with anyone? No, that's not not who I am, you know. Um, and, you know, he proved that by going on a, a, a flurry of features with MCs where he ate everybody's lunch just about when he was on their tracks and he invited people to join him on this album, uh, one of whom was 21 Savage. He, they had an um, incredible, incredible collabo called A Lot from um, 21's album. And... Um, Grammy nominated. Grammy nominated, yeah. And he and Cole just sound amazing. Um, uh, Boss uh, from the Dreamville campus on the album, Cameron, uh, Lil Baby, and Black. So um, those are just a few of the features. Very wide ranging. You know, a lot of names I don't think many people expect, like Lil Baby or, you know, or, or Black. Uh, but, you know, Cole never, ever wanted to be put in a box. Production, Cole does, you know, produce some of the beats, but he hands the reins over from time to time, too, as he did on KLD, and I think he benefits from it. He's got Boy Wonder there, uh, Timbaland, Jake One, Tay Beast, T-Minus, DJ Dahi, and more. Uh, key tracks for me are 95 South. He starts it off right away, letting people know, listen, I'm not here to play. He's got Cameron uh, almost serving as his hype man, uh, really just talking about how the game is like, in trouble and, and, and they need Cole and like he's coming. Uh, My Life, which is his collabo with 21 Savage, continues their uh, streak of just demolishing soulful beats. You know, I think these two need to make a collabo album together. They sound that good. And just like Benny and Fat Joe, it's not a, a pairing that you would expect to work. But that's why, as they say, we play the game. That's why we play the track, because when you hit play on it, they just sound great together. Um, 100 Mil is a song that I, I, I keep in steady rotation. Very, very inspiring. It's, 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 the theme is basically no matter what your level of success, stay hungry and grind. You know, Top Dog uh, from TDE 
has told me personally, and I've heard him say it in interviews too, the way that he keeps himself and his artist sharp is to say, hustle like you broke at all times, right? Never, ever lose that hunger. And that's what Cole is doing on 100 mil. And then let go of my hand is, um, I think, the, the, the dopest song on the album, just thematically. And it's got him talking about fatherhood and revisiting his own childhood and seeing things in his son that he needs to, that he wants to improve upon and seeing his son grow up and like imagining like, you know, what that's going to be like when he doesn't need him anymore. Uh, he talks uh, very candidly about an altercation he had with Puff Daddy um, at the VMAs back in 2014, 2015. I can't remember the exact year. Um, but then has, uh, and, and a boss move has Puff actually, you know, talk on the, on the, the outro to let everyone know that that is squashed and that's not a thing. Um, and so just really, really dope, um, you know, just showcases J. Cole at his finest. But if you want to hear more about that one, Jake and I did an, an entire like 40, 45 minutes to the album in a previous episode. So you can find that on our channel. But yeah, that's Cole, man. You see the Instagram this week of the two of them squaring up? Puffy no, and Cole, no, making light of it. I loved it. You know, I thought, and, and Jay Cole is not a social media dude. Um, so it was extra funny. And uh, I love that. And I love the fact that they can make light of, of something and also talk about it. And I was mistaken. You know, I said Grammy nominated. Grammy winning collaboration a lot, which is you and I covered on the site, was Cole's first Grammy, which is a travesty. Um, so you had said that we both agreed, and, and I stand by that, that um, the off season was the best album of the year. There's an album, and it's the only one on our list that's not out yet, but it will be soon. And I think it is my new album of the year. Um, Cole is right neck and neck. And I love that. And that's that makes for fun with whatever else comes out. And we'll have this discussion again, Lord willing, in six months. But um, shout out to Evidence, um, you know, from Dilated Peoples and Step Brothers fame. He has an album coming out later this month uh, with June 25th, June 26th, yep, called, yep. called The Unlearning Volume 1. And, you know, Evidence um, in 2007, which feels like yesterday and makes me feel old as could be, um, started his solo series with the Weatherman LP. And that series eventually hit three albums. There was the Weatherman LP. There was Cats or Dogs in 2013 after he moved as a solo artist, as did Dilated to Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. And then in 2018, he did Weather or Not, which won among the AFH readers as album of the year. And it's so interesting because I, you know, 21 years ago, 22 years ago, I was a huge Dilated Peoples fan. The, you know, again, it's one of those like, were they underground? I think they represented that movement but they were also signed to Capitol. But there was that really interesting time in LA where you had Jurassic Five, Dilated Peoples, you know, the Living Legends, um, AC Alone, and, and a lot of the Freestyle Fellowship and Project Blows, Blowed guys were making moves. Uh, Planet Asia, you know, out of Fresno was signed to Inter. It was just a really, really interesting time. And Dilated was one of my favorite groups. And I looked at them and I remember when Ev went solo first um, and started putting out separate stuff. I was a little skeptical because I loved the group that much. And what's so interesting to me is Dilated is incredibly consistent. At this point, it seems like, you know, every five years or so, they come out with another album. But I would venture to say that Ev has made his solo catalog um, even more enduring. And, you know, after an 11 year 
block in there of being the weatherman. He closed the book on that a few years ago. He announced that he would and, and told us as much when we spoke to him in uh, 2018 at the top of the year. But he comes with a new series. And this to me is, is very much a, a pandemic album. I feel like Ev, you know, kind of reapproached everything. And, and you know, I, we have some inside intel. I won't say too much on that. But, you know, we, we know a little bit about the making of this album and it really shows in the results um it's very very personal very um you know it, it has those those aphorisms that evidence drops where he is mr slow flow uh you know him and him and Parrish smith both mastered that but in going in, in rapping slowly he says so much and there are so many quotables in this album um, and he also deviated from a lot of the things that I feel like his fans have expected from an evidence album. So, you know, even though the album's not out, but I think four or five singles are, the track listing is. So as far as guests, you have Boldy James, you have Navy Blue, who's another artist that's been working with Alchemist as well, and, and Earl Sweatshirt and those guys. You have Fly Anakin out of, uh, I believe, Richmond, Virginia, who is on our playlist, having an incredible year. Of Conway the Machine, um, Ev has always worked with kind of the Griselda guys and, and really, um, you know, stood the ground long before they had their come up. And you also have an artist named Merkage Dave on there on the featured tip. And as far as production, I mean, it's interesting, again, like in the early dilated days, you had some incredible Alchemist beats. You had Mugs, you had, I think he's Swift, Cutmaster Kurt. They had all of these amazing producers working around them. Evidence, you know, I mean, obviously he's gone on to produce some incredible stuff for Raekwon and, um, you know, I believe Prodigy, if I'm not mistaken, and a, a host of folks in the industry. Ev's production has gotten as, as sharp as his lyricism. So he produces a bulk of the album. There's one Alchemist beat. You have Knots on there, um, Seb Bash. And then he worked in tandem with a lot of the guys that you'll see um, you know, really staking their claim in the, in the quote unquote underground. So Mr. Green, um, Animas, V-Don, you have Derringer, also of the Griselda family, and Eardrum, and a producer named Q3. Um, I find this album to be incredible, relatable. Um, it's one of those joints you can put on, especially if you're alone or you're driving somewhere, and it's, it's unskippable for me. And um, I really, in the same way that J. Cole is, I really, really value that. Um, and Ev's pouring his heart out. I mean, for those that listen to whether or not he addressed the loss of his partner and the mother of, of his child, um, you know, he addressed a lot of kind of the, the angst and the pain in his life. This does not deviate from that. And I think Ev takes big liberties, um, you know, with himself. He's, it's a very, very courageous album um and addresses just how damaging um locks can be and also the responsibilities of being a father of being an artist of being a successful artist but not necessarily um treated to the degree that i think evidence should i firmly believe that this should be a grammy nominated album um based on what we what we know and the deadline is approaching before the end of the year and after 2020 we saw you know um Ebb's brother Alchemist and Freddie Gibbs, and we saw Royce the Five Nine and D Smoke, three independent artists contend for that. Um, you know, I would really, really like to see this album get some some greater consideration. So, um, 
of three songs that I want to spotlight, I'll, I'll begin with one that's out. And there's a video too of all of that said with Boldy James. I just, um, these guys have worked together several times over the years. I think that uh, it's a phenomenal track and you take two artists that might rap about different things and they find a great overlap on how to speak to the listener. Um, and the beat is just insane. It's, it's easily my most played hip hop song of 2021 and, and it just came out. So that says a lot. The other joint, and I know you like this one, Reggie, is Taylor Made Suit, which is um, which is a really uh, powerful song. And I I won't say too much, but when the album's out, I encourage everyone to listen to that. I think it speaks to that courage I referenced a moment ago. And then Lost in Time, Park Jams, where you see Ev really wax the slow flow. And he does so on a sample loop. I think it's a sample loop that just it extracts the emotion out of you. Um, and, and he just has so many quotables in that song alone. I could go on and on, but this album is really something special. And to watch an artist that was dope 20 years ago ascend um, in this way is, is really, uh, really, really impressive to me. Yeah, you know, that's why we say so far, whenever we talk about an album being the best of the year, because yeah. you never know what's going to drop. Um, you know, I got to agree with you. Having listened to this album like 10 to 15 times, for me, that and Cole are neck and neck, you know, for, for best one, uh, Vine. And, and it's two very different albums. Actually, they're very similar in some ways. It's two elite MCs, you know, showcasing their amazing skills at, you know, just double entendres and, and just sharp lyricism and, and painting, you know, vivid metaphors with their words. Um, also, both deeply personal. But the yeah. way that they they flip those styles is very different. The beats the selections are very different too. And so, um, you know, it's interesting. The under the underlying like bigger themes are are there, but you know, sonically they, they could not sound more different in my opinion. It's wild too because they're two MC producers, um, and they competed in 2018. I mean, with KOD and, and whether or not. I mean, I think that might have been the final round in, in our our user voted battles. So it's interesting to watch these two guys for you and me be neck and neck yet again. Yeah. And so on top of that, um, you know, Jake and I are going to be having a conversation with evidence that we will feature um, next week. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. You know, it's always a great, really thoughtful interviewee. So that should be an amazing conversation, you know? Uh, so I'm going to go back and clean up the record. So we got 14 albums that we are going to discuss. We were gonna kick it off with albums that we agreed upon. I thought we were agreed upon one, but it turns out we're not. And that's Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, so uh, that's one that I'm gonna advocate for, but it's not made Jake's list. So I'm not gonna put uh, music in his mouth. Um, so, um, so yeah, so we are only at six so far, right? Um, no, five so far that we agree upon. Um, yeah. Okay. Number six, and I think you agree on this, is uh, Benny's Griselda brother, uh, Conway the Machine. Um, you know, Conway put out an album called La Maquina. Uh, you know, the Griselda guys will put out anywhere from three to four projects per year. Um, and they're all often always, they're always good, um, but some stand out above the others. For me, this is Conway's best album so far um i know there are others out there who might disagree but i think it's just 
amazing from top to bottom and it really kind of propels Conway to a different level. This is his kind of coming out party in my opinion, similar to the way that Plugs I Met was for Benny. And also, you know, he's combining it with his, um, his gravitating more toward mainstream artists without in any way compromising his sound. You know, I'll say that generally, I think he might be the most underrated of Griselda. I think that Gunn has got the, the, the image, the fly guy, like, you know, the whole persona. He's, uh, you know, the guy, guy behind the whole movement, um, got a marketing mind, voice is clearly distinctive. I think he stands out among all MCs, not just the Griselda MCs. Benny through like just like grit and guile has fought to become um, what I think a lot of people view as the kind of lead MC of the group. Um, but Machine, you know, he'll say all the time he's the most lyrical. And, um, you know, I don't think you can argue against that after listening to this album. He really establishes that. On top of being the most lyrical, he also, uh, you know, has deeply personal songs, like, you know, all the time. He puts his heart and soul into his music. And so I really, really um, love listening to him. And this album is the one where he shows that he can rhyme with anyone using any style over any type of beat. You know, so the features, he's got two chains. You know, you don't think of Griselda and two chains. But again, these guys are doing a really great job of very intentionally expanding their brand. It harkens back to what you and I were talking about earlier about the AFH brand, when to keep it flexible, not being put into a box. And so sometimes that requires doing things that are unanticipated, stretching people's you know expectations of what uh, what your brand means. And he does that masterfully. Um, he's got JID, uh, Ludacris. So a really like a, a smorgasbord of Atlanta MCs. And Atlanta, you know, anyone who's honest. Atlanta has ruled hip hop for 10 years now, maybe 12 years, or maybe 15 years. It's been a long time that, that Atlanta has ruled hip hop. And Griselda set up shop there. I mean, you know, people associate them with Buffalo, but they've been based in Atlanta, like their operations for, you know, at least five years. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. That, that. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, you know, he's going straight at it. And then, you know, he's got Westside Gun and Benny, of course, and then, then others. Production, um, you know, typically... You know, the Griselda guys are Derringer, Alchemist, people like that, but he really expands. He's got Bangladesh, Cardiac, Cosmo Beats, Murder Beats, uh, Q Beats. He does have one track from Alchemist, which I'll get to. Key tracks, um, you know, one is KD, uh, you know, for, you know, Kevin Durant. Um, he spits what I think is a triplet flow over a trap beat. It's like, what in the world? Like Conway's doing that, and he sounds absolutely amazing. It's a mic drop moment for an elite MC. Mm. And I think it should be called VC because it's like Vince Carter in the dunk contest. Like Kenny Smith said, it's over. It's <laughs> over. Like he just, he killed it, man. Um, next track is Scatterbrain. Uh, again, featured on the playlist. This is a really like, it's it's, it's almost like a, a, a soundtrack you'd hear like in a kid's movie or like a scary kid's movie, like just got this eerie like kids singing and he goes toe to toe with Ludacris and J.I.D., you know, two of Atlanta's finest lyricists. And 
it's over a trap beat too. He brings it to their home court and and serves it up, man. It's just really amazing. Um, and I I love hearing elite MCs going bar for bar against one another, you know. And it's clear that each guy kind of brought their A game for this and was like definitely trying to take home the win. So that one was dope. I think the track of the album for me is 200 Pies. And that's an alchemist beat, a typical dark, soulful, like spooky alchemist beat, like, uh, you know, with those, you know, those piano chords and like real high, like, you know, um, singing, high pitched singing, like in a real spooky way. Um, and it's him and two chains. And Chains just sounds amazing, man. Like he did the, the two of them. Like it's a, again another one of these pairings that you don't expect to work on paper. That's great, and you know we should just make a playlist of that. But like it's it's just amazing. And this song has been one of my most listened to songs of the year, Two Under Pie. So I think this is a great album uh, for La Makina. But we agree on this one, right? I do, and it's funny though. I want to say one thing. I 100% agree on this album. I got to say my two favorite Conway joints of 2021 are not on this album, which I think is not a knock, is not a knock on the album, but it's uh, uh, a tout of Conway. Kill All Rats, on, he put out another album this year with Big Ghost called If, uh, if It Bleeds, You Can Kill It. And then he did another Lucy with J.I.D. called Ballads, which I believe is on the playlist too, if I'm not mistaken. And that's like, I play that joint all the time too. So Conway, ever prolific, but I... To answer your question one more time, yes, this belongs on our list and we do agree. Word, word. Do you want to go into the next album that we agree on before we diverge or do you want me to kick one of those? Yeah, no, uh, all right, if you want to be even. You, uh, no, uh, yeah, go go ahead. Do one that, that no, nah, let's let's do one. Um, let's do the, the, the one that we agree on and then let's get to the debate. Sounds good. Oh, we can do, uh, do you want me to do it or you? Oh, wait a minute. Which one are we on? Um, X. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doubling up. I'm doubling up. You know what? I fucked the whole thing up. <laughs> no, nah, it's cool. It's cool. You go ahead. You go ahead. You, you, you do you do one uh, that, that okay. you commit, a wild card. Perfect. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with one. Uh, this is a veteran that I'm advocating heavy for this year. Um, you know, up until Evidence and Cole, this was probably my most listened to album. I'm going to give it up to my man, Devin Copeland, AKA Devin, the dude with soulful distance. Um, you know, one thing I want to say about Devin is I, I look at him a lot like a too short or an iced tea. I think Devin has fans out there that really operate off of two or three songs. And that disappoints me because Devin has done so much with so little. And what I mean by that is, um, he's, as far as I know, always been an independent artist. Yes. He was a, a priority artist at, at rap a lot records for, you know, at least 10 years, but Devin has never gotten the machine behind him. Um, even when he was working with Dr. Dre, when he was working with DJ premier, when he was Scarface's, you know, true, uh, you know, understudy pupil, it never seemed to work in Devin's favor. And, you know, that being said, he's been able to cultivate a long lasting, really inc incredible career and just like the Griselda guys, just like so many artists right now, he's incredibly prolific. So in January of this year, I believe it was January, he put out Soulful Distance. As you can gather, the title speaks to what was going on in the world. Um, and for an artist like Devin, who 
you know, regularly travels around the country, you know, and, and does shows and bars and clubs, it was a sit down album. Um, and, you know, and, and it really carries itself off in the music. And, you know, like I made my point about the two shorter iced tea thing. I think that Devin is one of those pioneering artists that really balanced melody and singing with rapping early on, you know, long before Drake, long before Kid Cudi, long before Pick a Rapper, Devin could kick a verse and then just easily slide into singing. And it's a very nostalgic 70s R&B, sometimes bluesy thing, but it makes for a self-contained album in a really nice way. And that's what you get here. Um, so, you know, it's a pandemic album from a 50-year-old. Devin once told me he raps about three things. It's all W's, women, wine, and weed. And while that might be true, I think that Devin shines when he's rapping about the life in between those. You know, he raps, you know, a song you and I both like from him, um, you know, Doobie Ashtray. Sure, it's a song about weed, but it's also a song about going through life um, and having those moments. So you get those on this album. Um, I'll talk about some songs in a second. But in the way of features, you have Scarface on here who, you know, not so long ago vowed that he was retiring from album making. Um, Scarface comes back. Big Pokey, Houston legend. Lil Kiki, another Houston legend. Slim Thug. And then you get the Odd Squad guys, Jug Mug and Blind Rob, who fans of rap a lot back in the day will remember as Robbo. Um, you have Tony Mac and 14K on here as well. I don't know who's producing this album. One of the travesties of the streaming era is if the label doesn't put up the production credits we don't know what i suspect is um devin is you know a multi-threat i imagine that he produced a lot of this himself it's coming out on his label through empire but on the song level um he's got a joint in here called discouraged which is one of my favorite songs and while it sounds melancholic it's not it's it's just devin sitting down looking at the world at large and he's such a good rapper um very conversational very deft with the cadence um Devin makes music that you can just put on clean the house drive somewhere and I just feel as though his profile um especially in the media doesn't get the recognition it deserves another joint is called to each their own um this kind of looks at exactly what I'm saying uh, Devin looking at himself, at his career, what he's been able to build without um, so much of the uh, fanfare that a lot of artists get. And then the other joint is Live and Let Live, and Let Live which, um, you know, examines a lot of what was going on in the streets, uh, you know, as far as protests, police brutality um, throughout time, but really in recent years. And that's the joint with Slim Thug and Scarface. And all three of those MCs rap at a really strong level and they complement each other really well. And you talk about West Side Gun and voice. I mean, Devin has a phenomenal voice. Slim Thug was always one of my favorite artists of the Houston movement. And he's got such a great booming vocal. And then come on now, Brad Jordan. I mean, we have one of the goats making a meaningful appearance about a, substan about a substantial issue. I, um, I just really ride for this album. And it's, it's one that's not on our playlist, at least of the moment. But I, I, this is the album that I've texted a lot of my friends and I'm like, you need to check out. And they've gotten back to me and been like, yeah, this one, this one's, this one's a joint. And uh, so, yeah.
Word, you know, um, I always love Devin. My introduction to him was later, um, although a long time ago now, uh, it was on 2001, which is insanely enough, 22 years ago. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, but even that was kind of late in, in his career for those who are really down with him. So, yeah, man. Um, all right. So the last one we agree upon is DMX Exodus. You know, we did a deep dive on this one. Um, not too long ago also. And so you can check that out. We, I think we spoke about X for about 45 minutes or so. So I'll, I'll cover this one briefly. Um, but, you know, generally, you know, some of the things that are, are great about this album for me are one, it fully represents DMX's vision. You know, the whole thing was uh, recorded and completed um, under X's supervision uh, with Swiss Beats um, being the executive producer uh, before he passed away. The only exception is there was a song that had um, Pop Smoke on it. And unfortunately, the verse was used elsewhere before the album was put out. And so they replaced him with Money Bag Yo. Um, but I'm not sure in listening to it that it would have made a, a, a difference for me, at least, because um, that's probably my least favorite song on the project. Um, I think it showcases the many sides of DMX. Like, you know, Swiss Beats was on an, an uh, interview in the Breakfast Club, and he was talking about how he ne never understood the, the Tupac and DMX comparison. He doesn't see any similarities mm -hmm. other than they were both bald and like, you know... Um, Love and, to take their shirt off? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. Uh, he didn't see... For me, though, I think it's... Uh, I think it's about the subject matter that they covered. You know, both of those guys um, would do... Anything. I actually once made a Tupac cassette called the, From the Profane to the Profound. Hmm. And uh, side one was uh, the profane. You know, it's Tupac's talking about like, you know, liquor and, and women and weed and all the stuff, you know, that, that you were saying Devin talks about. But then Tupac can also talk about politics. He talked about his, his deepest feelings. Um, he talked about like respect for women, like a, a lot of different things. And I think the DMX has multiple sides like that too. You know, he has a very tough, aggressive side. He also has a very vulnerable side, uh, one that is not afraid to acknowledge his flaws and struggles and, you know, ways he's trying to better himself in life. And so I think that he and Pac share that at a, at a core level. And this album showcases all those sides of X really well. But the last thing is that you know, it's interesting. Maybe I need to go back a little bit on my comments about compilation albums and soundtracks, because when you think about it, this is a very star studded album. It's got it's just wall to wall. Um, I think only one or two songs don't have features on it. And so um, if I'm going to talk about a fair fight, you know, what's a fair fight? Right. Should it just be one artist like Cole's previous albums or, you know, but if you got if you've got 20 different superstars, why not compete against a superstar album like Judas and the Black Messiah Crisis? So maybe I'll take that back. But this one is star-studded. Um, you know, production is Swiss Beats on all the tracks. He's got some co-production, uh, some with Era Music and others. Features on the album are The Locks, Jay-Z, Nas, um, you know, Westside Gun, Conway, and Benny from Griselda, Lil Wayne, Alicia Keys, Snoop Dogg, Bono, Usher, and more, you know, he's got some kids, some of his kids on it too. Like, um, this is really, really stacked. Um, key tracks for me, 
Basalts. This is a song that was leaked in early 2017 in a beat battle between Swiss Beats and Just Blaze. Um, the version that we heard online back then had some bars from Jadakus too. Um, on the official version, it only has Jay, Nas, and DMX, but only is a ridiculous word to use to, you know, <laughs> think about three of like hip hop's biggest all on one track. And everyone clearly aware what the stakes were. Nas reportedly went back and rewrote some of his, not out of fear, but because he had used some of those lyrics elsewhere in the four years. Jay left his as was, and, you know, obviously X's was, um, was as he had recorded too. Um, but really, really great. Um, and then there's Hood Blues with Griselda, fantastic sample. Uh, you know, uh, Loop Pack had used it. Um, you know, X, and, and that is just Griselda. It's just, it just is, it, it's, it's perfect in its execution of fusing old and new generations together on a track both could, you know, relate to. Um, my only gripe is that X's vocals could have been clearer. This one he did at the Griselda studio with the guys, and it sounded like they had had a day of like you know uh, a partying, and um, X's vocals just weren't as sharp as, as uh, they were in other places on the album. Take Control is another favorite of mine. Um, that's a song with him and Snoop Dogg, just absolutely murdering a, Ma a Marvin Gaye sample. I think the best use of a Marvin Gaye sample since Eric Sermon's music and like that one really an extensive use you know um it's almost like marvin is singing the hook on um on the track instead of it just being a sample and it just sounds amazing you know um x starts it off saying this is about to be some sexy shit and it, it definitely <laughs> is and then the last track is letter to my son call your father um this song is a deeply personal song um where dmx talks about the struggles he's had in his relationship with his oldest son um, and, you know, kind of explains his actions and intents to his son, um, understanding he's not perfect and, you know, really just articulating some of the difficulties they had. One of the most powerful and personal songs I've ever heard from DMX and that says a lot given the MC that he is. Um, and, you know, a really fitting way to close the last album of his career, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, that, that's X for me. Yeah, man. I cannot think of an album as meaningful as DMX's Exodus this year. I think, um, you know, you got, we mentioned Cole, we mentioned evidence as, as two of our favorites, but I think on a, on a magnitude level, this is the last word from DMX. So one of the most recent albums to make our list and you and I have not, I mean, full disclosure, you and I have not even had a chance to talk about this album together until now yeah. is all the brilliant things, which is the latest solo album from sky zoo. Wait, and, and let, let's just clarify. So right now, right now we got seven that we've agreed upon, right? We got Benny and Harry we mm -hmm. got evidence. We got Mad Lib. We got J Cole. We got DMX. And we got Conway. And Crisis, right? Um, and Crisis, right. And Crisis. That's seven. And Conway. And we, got two, we got two that we've discussed that we haven't agreed upon yet. And yeah. that's Judas and the Black Messiah and, um, and uh, Devin the Dude. Yeah. So now we're getting into the great debate. So we got our seven. We got three to fill. We got two already we've talked about. The third is now is now Drew. So all the brilliant, brilliant things, yep. 
yeah we've got a we've got a few to discuss real quick and yeah. um you know so getting back to sky i mean you know this sounds almost like a cliche but sky is an artist that i truly believe has gotten better with time i he first popped up on my radar around 2005 2006 um right around the time he started working with ninth wonder if i'm not mistaken um sky was a a flagship artist of the the you know um jamla and there was another label that ninth was running with in the early days and then he really has stepped out and and created his own movement um but in the last two or three years you know sky is somebody who's made our year-end list twice in a row um 2018 he partnered with uh excuse me, 2019, he partnered with Pete Rock for Retropolitan. Um, phenomenal album. You and I, we had a great conversation with Sky and Pete. And then last year, he released two projects. Um, one was uh, a joint with a live jazz band um, called The Bluest Note, and that made our year, year-end list. And then he also made a song called Milestones, which was, I mean, and, and these projects of last year were, were a little bit, you know, shorter, but they were very thematic as Sky is one of those artists who's an expert at concept. And it was a father and son album. Uh, Sky, you know, his son's name is Miles. And I believe um, his own name might be Miles as well. I know he goes by Skylar as well. Um, so boom, right into this year, all the brilliant things. Another album that does not veer from concept. Um, I think that you would be hard pressed to find an artist who has repped Brooklyn as hard, especially in the last 15 years of Sky Zoo. Um, he grew up, you know, just literally steps from where Biggie's from. He has paid great homage to Jay-Z, to Spike Lee, to the heroes of his borough, of his community. Um, but also in recent years, Sky's admitted that in order to raise a family the way that he wants to, in order to sustain the career and the lifestyle that he wants to, he had to leave New York. Um, he makes his home, I believe, outside of Atlanta or in Atlanta. And Sky, this is very much a love letter to Brooklyn from, these are my words, but a displaced citizen. You know, somebody who is saddened by the gentrification and the changing makeup of such a beautiful place and a historic place to Black people and to people of color. Um, so it's another album with Mellow Music Group. Um, you made the comparison six years ago, I want to say, that Mellow was in a position to be, you know, the new raucous. Um, as we watch veterans, uh, you know, working with the label and redefining their careers, I, I think that was a very prophetic statement. Sky Zoo went there years ago to work with Apollo Brown and has seemingly stayed around ever since. Um, so this is a great album. And on the feature side, you know, Sky has, you know, made some incredible features. He's brought in some some top lyrical peers. He's made collaborative albums with people in the past. This one, he primarily goes outside of hip hop. He does have Ill Al Scratch on there, which is dope. And again, you want to talk about, you know, singing, rapping pioneers of, of, of walking that line. But he also has, you know, Raheem Devon, BJ, the Chicago Kid, Black Soul, the hypnotic brass ensemble who's worked with master ace before and other people Zion, aria and then the scratches are by dj shakim on the production tip um some of the same folks that you're seeing work with a lot of movers and, and shakers jr swifts who's done a lot of stuff with the griselda guys and rome streets he's on here j57 from brown bag all stars and kenny keys thelonious martin zarek beats uh i hope i'm saying this right mark knitted 
Karl Marx, not to be confused with uh, the other Karl Marx, uh, Mark 31, Stolen Drums, Rashid Hadi, and Twame. I hope I'm getting those names right. I think it's dope that Sky can make a, a really top level album with some names that you or I might be new to. And then key tracks that kind of, you know, prove my point. One of the singles that he put out ahead of the album is called bed is Burning, and that's with the Hypnotic Brass Band or Brass Ensemble. And just a, a phenomenal exercise in looking at where Brooklyn is at, you know, in 2021 and Sky looking back at what his neighborhood means to him and what it's happening now. And the chorus is, you know, New Orleans, Philly, don't let this happen to you. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just been a joint that's been extremely resonant with me, um, even as somebody who has lived in a neighborhood now longer than I've lived anywhere, watching developers come in and, and change it and what that means for the people. The album opens with another highlight called Free Jewels. And, and this might, um, this might, you know, as I share that about my neighborhood, Sky makes this amazing illustration of the people that are reviewing and writing about hip hop music today are living in his building at a much higher rate than, or in his neighborhood, so to speak, at a much higher rent rate than most people that grew up there can afford. And they're making the music that the critics are reviewing. Um, and I thought that was just such a heavy um, point, you know? And then also he has another song that I think is really fascinating and again, speaks to Sky's level of concept. The name of the song is I Was Supposed to Be a Trap Rapper. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it speaks for itself, but Sky talks about how growing up in Brooklyn, being in the periphery of all these movers and shakers and folks dealing in the streets, how easy it would have been for him to, you know, maybe be like a Mano or maybe be like a uh, Uncle Murder or even a 6ix9ine. I mean, I'm just, I'm using Brooklyn names. But instead, he had this, you know, fascination and love for hip hop and its core tenants, and he loved Dilla Beats. So he chose the path that he did. And while he walks those lines, um, one could argue that, you know, it might have been more profitable in the short run if he would have been this other thing. And I just think it's a great self-examination. Um, I don't want to sample, I don't want to sample snitch on this one, but it's a, a sample that, that hip hop heads will absolutely rec you know, recognize. It's classic. Um, and then at the end of the song, he breaks into a trap flow. You know, you talk about the triplets and, and Sky is one of those nimble lyricists that can do anything. And I just think it's, it's a really, really good joint. And, um, you know, I'm about five or six listens in on this one. It's one of, there's two albums that dropped this week that we're going to talk about this being one. And um, yeah, we're figuring this one out, but I, I think it deserves to be in this conversation. Yeah, man. Uh, Sky has been incredibly consistent over the years. Uh, this this album reminds me a lot of an album that you and I loved a, a few years back, not necessarily sonically, but thematically and in terms of the quality. And that's um, a Brooklyn story by Master Ace, as you mentioned, and Marco Polo. Uh, you know, very very similar themes, their own love letter. Um, you know, from guys um, uh, a little bit further along on the journey. Than, than Sky is, but, you know, really, really great. And so, yeah, I, I've enjoyed this, man. I've listened to it quite a bit. The other album you alluded to, which I'll get into next, is your old Droog's Time. Um, you know, Droog, another guy, man. So I can't remember what year it was, maybe, you know, six, seven years ago. 
there was a a, a tape a mixtape that came out and everyone thought it was Nas basically trolling. Um, you know, um, your old Drew means your old friend. I think, um, and uh, Drug is, is Russian, I believe. Um, Ukrainian. Ukrainian, yeah. okay. Um, and so, um, you know, that that had people like paying attention in a huge way. Um, and then, you know, Drew showed that he's Drew, he's not Nas. And, uh, but he had a lot of attention, a lot of buzz around him at that time because of that. And that was an incredible mixtape. Since then, he's put out a lot of really cool concept albums. Um, you know, he's always one to paint very vivid, like, descriptions with his words. Um, a lot of, like, insider New York type uh, conversation um, embraces all aspects of his life, you know, um, just really, and goes at, he's one who will go at the media also. You mentioned Sky Zoo going at uh, the media and some of his songs. Drew pulls no punches with going at, at, at people. Um, he'll name names. He'll name, you know, like companies, like all that. He, yeah. he's, he's fearless. So this showcases all of that. He's always really consistent, got really witty punchlines and great storytelling. Um, so he said about this album in a statement, this is basically my debut album. Some of this material was recorded back in 2017, but I suppose Universe felt it would make more sense if it was released at another point in the future, hence the name Time. I thought that was really interesting, you know, because something about it felt different to me. It, it did feel like, um, you know, um, like, uh, like um, a cut above even the stuff that he's done, you know, in terms of like quality, and that's not a knock at all on, the other stuff because it's all good this, it's, we had him on the album list last year yeah absolutely it's really just celebrating just even the strides of this one you know he continues to get better in my opinion uh, some of the key features in this album he's got mf doom you know um doom tracks have been surfacing and we'll talk about that a little bit more in this in this episode but they've been surfacing here and there and this is a really good one um Aesop rock is on it Elzai, Blue, Mick Jenkins, and an artist that I had not heard before, Wiki, but whose voice really stood out to me on this one. Um, this one is so fresh that I couldn't find any production credits. Um, I looked at a lot of different sites and reviews and things like that, but they're not out yet. This was a surprise album. No one knew it was coming, and so it's going to take a little while. I often say the internet is undefeated, but in this case, it, 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 is, uh, it is defeated, um, but I'm sure it will It'll come back in a rematch, and we'll be able to update this um, in the future. Key tracks for me are Dropout Boogie. That's the song with Doom. Um, it's another one of what is likely the last few Doom verses. And, um, you, know, you know, it's two different beats, you know, very similar, but, like, uh, there's a switch up for Doom. And it's great. You know, uh, Drew's beats are very unorthodox, you know, um, you know, um, and this one is a great one. Lost Time is a phenomenal soul sample. You know, Droog is painting all sorts of vivid details about everything from eating Chinese food to listening to KRS-One. You know, you just never know the direction he's going to go in, which is what keeps it, like, interesting. You know, a lot of MCs are cliche and talk about the same things. And we talked about that a little bit earlier. Drew just never know where, where he's going to go with it. And in Field of Dreams in one move, um, I'll talk about together two posse cuts that are back-to-back -back on the album. 
The first has got uh, Elzai and Aesop Rock, and the second has got Blue and McJenkins. Um, you know, these are these these remind me of almost like East, East, Eastern Conference All Stars, a song that um, Pete Rock and Sky Zoo did with uh, Elzai and Griselda. You know, where it's just like just elite elite MCs in this kind of sewer rap genre. Um, you know, just giving it everything and, and for Drew to pull these guys together and um, have it back to back is really dope. I think the track that stands out the most for me, though, is uh, Please Listen to My Jew Tape, which is an, a reference to, you know, EPMD's Please Listen to My Demo. It's Drew recalling uh, basically his journey as an MC in his career. And he's super honest about it. You know, he talks about how you know, he, he talked, he, and I won't name names, although he does, he met with certain ARs and you know, they told him that his sound, his sound um, was dated and that he needed to listen to X track and Y track to like, you know, figure out what was, what was current. Um, he talks about the opportunities that he had to sign with major labels and why he turned those down. He talks about the fact that when he was really buzzing, I think it was 2013 or so with that mixtape, um, you know, he had an opportunity to sign some really big deals and his management encouraged they stay independent. And it seems like he might lament that a little bit. Um, there's a lot to unpack and I, I got to listen to it a few more times, but really raw, honest, um, you know, um, self-assessment and, you know, just showcases why Drew is so special. So I think that's my favorite song on the album too. And I think keeping it family, I mean, in recent you know, this is Drug's second project this year. He put out one earlier with the God Fahim. And Drug has been running with two other MC producers lately. Um, Fahim being one. And when I say lately, I mean the last two or three years. And Mac Homney being another. And, you know, folks that have been following the Griselda movement longer than I have may have known of Mac Homney for some time. He popped on my radar somewhere around 2017, 2018. Um but he's another elusive artist. Um, and he put out an album this year called Pray for Haiti. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of context to this album. So Mac Hami is a New Jersey artist, um, producer, MC of Haitian descent, often uh, covers his face with the Haitian flag or the Haiti flag. And he's been, he's been around for a while. And I didn't know this, but I, I dug into some interviews. He, um, he had shot some videos for like Hus Kingpin and eventually Griselda in the mid 2010s. Eventually Griselda, you know, here's what he's doing on the mic side and wanted to use their platform at a time when it was evolving into what we now see to present it to the world. And, you know, one of, uh, one of his real breakthrough projects was called HBO, which stands for Haitian body odor. And Mac Hami very much like Wu-Tang Clan with the Once Upon a Time in Shaolin or like Nipsey Hussle with the Crenshaw tape. He's really advocated for the value of physical music and to show artists that they're more than just a $9.99 monthly subscription. So in the case of like HBO, he pressed up 187 copies. Uh, I believe of CD, it might have been a vinyl and charged $300 for them. And his product has sold out. So he's been an artist with a huge aura around him for at least three or four years. Um, cryptically, you'll see these photos hit the internet of him in Rick Rubin's studio in Malibu. You'll see him having a meal with Jay-Z, covering his face the whole time. 
there was a photo, I believe, of him and Dr. Dre. Um, Drake, when this album that we're about to talk about dropped, posted about it on Instagram. Like, Mac Hami is a quote-unquote underground independent artist who is somehow on the radar of the highest one percenters of music. And that's really interesting because when you get to his music, it is absolutely connoisseur rap. It is very dense. Um, a lot of a lot of wisdom there and a lot of just unconventionality. Like, you know, um, he's a very dense poet, um, but he only he only gives you what he wants you to know. Um, there's references to things that I think really stand the test of time. Like he doesn't get caught up in the here and now a lot. Um, I think when this album dropped, you took to it more than I have. Uh, I know our colleague, Justin Hunt, really got behind it as well. And then we've, um, for me, I've, I've been listening more and more. Um, you know, so in the way of, of key tracks, and I should say, uh, you know, there was a period of time where Mac just went and did it himself. There was a falling out with Griselda. It wasn't the most high profile beef, so to speak, although there's headlines on the internet that would lead you to suggest otherwise. But on Christmas Day last year in 2020, he, Mac, God Fahim, who had his own history with Griselda and West Side Gun posted a photo together. I believe it was outside of Four Seasons Hotel. I believe it's Atlanta, that they were good. And so it's been really interesting to see this year, everything kind of happened according to plan, but five or six years later where Griselda has come in and presented this album that marks a return of sorts, but Mac accomplished everything he did on his own. Griselda accomplished everything that they've done over the last three or four years, but they're still fulfilling this destiny and this mutual relationship, um, which I think is really interesting. So Gunn is on the album. Fahim is on the album. Keisha Plum, who any Griselda listener knows very well, is on the album and Melanie Charles. And then on the production tip, you've got DJ Green Lantern, who has always been in the Griselda corner, you've got Camouflage Funk, or excuse me, Monk, excuse me, Messiah Music, CG, Conductor Williams, Nicholas Craven, who's been a very prolific producer, especially this year, and Denny LaFlair. The songs that really stood out to me is Blockchain, which is literally 86 seconds long, and it finds like a very much like Motowny sample beat and, and Mach just going in, um, just going off the rails with, you know, a lot of imagery, really deft cadences. It's a one-verser. Um, and again, that's what I'm saying when I say an artist that defies convention. I mean, this, this album represented such a coming out party to him by virtue of the Griselda cosign, but Mac doesn't deviate from what he's always done. Um, the other joint is, is uh, I'll say Mary, but it could be Marie. And the reason I say Mary is it, it plays into Hail Mary um slow bleat slow beat it's on our playlist and it has a phenomenal chorus with an artist that just kicks some really intricate knowledge and it's interesting to see an artist like this um like i imagine what caught jay-z's attention or i imagine what caught dre's attention it's more than just clout um it's really really interesting um and the stellar ray theory which was the first single we got which he breaks into kind of a, a chant of sorts. And that reminds me a lot of what we've gotten on later Yasin Bey, most deaf albums. Um, and then just goes into, uh, you know, some really hard bar, bar, bar hip hop. Um, this album's heavy. It's dense. It takes a lot of listens to really kind of make sense of and stick to your ribs. And as I expected, when it, when it dropped, it was very polarizing because Mach is very polarizing 
There's folks that have been upset that, you know, he's built up this value around him and not deliver. There's other folks that say, this is the future of hip hop. Um, you and I have, have really kind of stood our ground in, in waving the flag for this album and uh, absolutely deserves to be in the conversation. Word. Um, you know, so, so I agree with that, you know, and it is a dense listen and um, an acquired taste. I'll say that. And it's yeah. one that I, I even need to go back to. I haven't listened to it in a few weeks. I want to go back to it and listen to it again with fresh ears, uh, more tuned based on what it is versus what I expected it to be. And I'm sure it'll open up for me differently. I find these really complicated albums tend to be the most rewarding over time. Yeah. Uh, you know, albums like um, 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 Black Messiah, you know, D'Angelo and, um, you know, even Yeezus from Kanye uh, turned out to be one of my favorites that year. Uh, I put it in, in that class, uh, not necessarily in terms of quality or, or whatever, not, you know, comparing, but in terms of just really dense, you know, music that takes some time to, to kind of unpack. Um, I think another thing that is likely polarizing because it's very much a preferred taste is Zarface and MF Doom. You know, Zarface, um, 7L, Esoteric, Inspector Deck, um, and anybody I'm missing? Um, no. Okay. And then MF Doom have done, um, this is their second album together. Uh, this one is called Super What? And it was recorded apparently in April of 2020. Um, so before Doom passed away, Doom passed away on, um, we're told, um, Halloween of 2020. It was not announced until New Year's Eve um, that he had died. But this was recorded in April 2020 and then finished over the summer. And, and they had intended to release it much sooner than that, but with the pandemic, uh, it kind of put the brakes on things. Um, to me, it's the finest of the Zarface albums. Um, it's, it's broken up into two sides, the, the Doom side and the Zarface side. Although, um, you know, Zarface is uh, featured throughout the album. Um, it's a much more upbeat album than a lot of the, the Zarface um, music is that that music tends to be very complicated and um dissonant you know this one is uh, much more i think pleasant to the ear initially um you know for me the doom side is 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 my favorite side i, I just think it's light and fun and really captures the frenetic energy that that was mf doom um starts off with a song that features um run D dmc from run dmc Dell the Funky Homo Sapien is on this one too, like on that Crisis album. So interesting to get some, some tracks from Dell, um, you know, very off the beaten path projects, but that's not surprising given, you know, his, his taste and, and the way that he's manifested his music career. Production is by the Czar Keys, which I'm assuming is um, an amalgamation of the Czar Face crew. Um, there's no independent credit, so we don't know necessarily who produces what. It would not surprise me if Zoom was if, if Doom was also producing some of those tracks because some of them do sound to me like vintage Doom kind of productions. Key tracks for me, and these are all featured on the playlist, are Mando Calrissian. First of all, I mean that name wins. Like any fans of Star Wars, <laughs> like you, you got to love just like how insane that name is. Um, and like you know, Lando, it's spacey and, and soulful. 
Uh, and Doom just sounds like perfectly in his element on this. So it's a great way to hear Doom on, on some of his last tracks. Doom Unto Others is another one. Uh, it's just rugged beats and rhymes, um, you know, and then Breaking the Action is a jazzy sample. It sounds uh, almost like something like what you'd hear from the UMCs. I don't know if you remember um, the song One to Grow On from the 90s, but it's, it's a real jazz swing to it like that. And there's a great Method Man sample on the hook too. So a lot to chew on from that one, but I really enjoyed that one. Word. Yeah, you, you talk about dense listens and albums that require numerous listens to make sense of. If I'm not mistaken, this is this the last one on our list? Uh, no, there's one more. There's uh, one more. Yours, Arm and Hammer. No, 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 no. I meant that album is that this is the last of our list what i'm oh, about I thought, to I thought i thought i thought i thought we were done i, I didn't think you agreed <laughs> to that one you you agree uh, that one is our face no 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 i meant like i'm going to tell you about arm and hammer now the last of of the ones we're putting in the mix no uh, uh oh this coming album the one yeah, you're about to talk sorry. about absolutely yeah. first <laughs> I, and i and, and i should add one other thing too uh the last month people have been correcting me not in regards to this podcast but in regards to life, I like hard A's and soft A's. I, I screw up a lot. So if it's mock and I keep saying Mac, pardon yeah, me. It's mock, it's mock, yeah. I'm I'm from <laughs> I'm from Pittsburgh, man. We barely grasp the English language. I uh you know, so I, I say that um yeah. You're a writer, so, man. You're a writer. <laughs> Not a talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got a uh yeah, I've got pronunciation for the written word. But um <laughs> So the last album that we're going to talk about today is Haram by Armand Hammer and Alchemist. And Haram, just for context, for those that don't know, it's Arabic for like sin, you know, and it's got um, slaughtered pigs on the album cover being like pork. Pork is regularly considered to be Haram, um, as my lovely girlfriend regularly reminds me. And it's the sixth album from Wait, Armand. Did you tell you how to pronounce it? Because I wasn't <laughs> sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> I'm good on Haram. Yeah, I'm positive about that one. Dope. You yeah. saved me because I would have been Haram. Like, like yeah. so that's good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, Haram is something else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is this is Armand Hammer's sixth album by my count. It's the first one that they've done with Alchemist. Um, and so Armand Hammer is a veteran collective of Billy Woods, who is the mastermind behind Backwoods Studios. So if Mellow Music Group is the ruckus of today, I would advocate that Backwood Studios is the Def Jones. Um, you know, New York City-based label that's been around at least 10 years. Um, I know that I was receiving promos from them when that was still a thing that writers received in the mail. And these guys have just been an independent operation, but they've expanded to work with some veterans like Blockhead, who was tied into the Def Jux movement and produced a lot of stuff for Aesop Rock and others. Um, but this is a really interesting crew to watch come to the light. So, you know, one of the albums in our 2020 list that didn't make the cut that I really have kind of second guessed us, second guessed AFH and really myself for not advocating more was Arm & Hammer. And they, had a, they put out an album last year called Shrines, which was really phenomenal. But I say that to say it's not, it's not always the easiest listen. This is angsty, dense, very, um, you know, in the way that you could listen to a Raekwon or a Ghost and have listened to the same song for 10 years. And then all of a sudden you'll catch what the reference is. You know, I think of like Monty Hall Expo 
which you have to figure out who Monty Hall is. And he was the host of Let's Make a Deal. So Monty Hall Expo. And then could it mean Montreal Expo and drop the T? Like, it's that kind of dense songwriting. And what's so dope is to watch an alchemist come in. Um, this project started from what I've read in years ago. I mean, 2019, long before Alchemist was Grammy nominated for his album with Freddie Gibbs. But Earl Sweatshirt put him on to these guys out of New York, Billy Woods and Elucid. And they connected. They made some of the album, I believe, through beat tapes. And then eventually these guys came out to L.A. to work with Al. And you get this incredible body of work. And, you know, like... Makami. Um, Billy Woods is another guy who, and Doom, guards his identity, guards his face. He's done that his whole career and really kind of wanted to be, like, bring all the attention itself to the art. Um, and these guys have been lauded on really respected publications like Passion of the Weiss, um, DJ Booth, um, you know, the, the really trusted core blogs, Dad Bod, Rap, pa Rap Pod, excuse me, Cabbages. And it's wild because now they've got a feature like, uh, you know, a 2000 word feature in GQ magazine, you know, or on the GQ website. So to watch this kind of rap raise is, is really, really remarkable. And for those that follow Billy, he's somewhere between like uh, a James Baldwin and, um, you know, an, an Aesop rock or a you know, like that, that really kind of heavy rap and that, that shines on here. And I think that Alchemist gives some of the production that might be more challenging to some of the artists he works with. That's not a knock, but when you have MCs as unconventional as this, they gravitate towards sounds that just stand apart. Um, the album features Quelle Chris, Curly, my man, Curly Castro, um, who I have a long history with. It features Earl Sweatshirt, Kayana, Imani, and Fielded. As far as I know, Al produces the whole album. Um, and this, this one, I was really, I was really happy in, you know, just for the brand when you put it on the playlist. There's a number of songs I like, but Falling Out of the Sky, um, I just looked today, and it's their most played song from the album. And it's a great, great starting point. It's confessional. It's that kind of like stoner groovy. And in the song, the guys talk about traveling cross country for the first time, what that meant for their career, what that meant the experience like. There's always this omnipresence of what it's like to be black in, in this America. And, you know, Billy in particular has rhymed a lot about, you know, the detriments and consequences of that. Roaches Don't Fly is the joint that has one of my favorite beats on this album. Al just delivers it. And these guys... Um, rap kind of like slam poets on there um and i'm not sure that they would agree but that song to me has just been heavy rotation um and then also wishing bad which just sounds like a vent session in audio these guys are when i say angst i mean like punk rock like in your face i'm gonna get it off my chest the world doesn't see me or respect me so kind of fuck the world i mean this is great this is great music for that and I think that those themes live in a lot of places in hip hop right now. So to watch an alchemist who can bring an audience with him to a movement that has been going on for at least 15, probably close to 20 years. I think this is, this is really one of the important albums of 2021. And when you look back at, it's not a pandemic album, but when you look back at what the zeitgeist of 
America was, what the streets felt like in the face of George Floyd, in the face of, you know, unemployment, in the face of all of these things, this album really holds up from a longevity perspective. So it's one that we had to bring to the table. Yeah, man, it is a very deep album. And it's interesting that the last few albums that we've discussed are probably the densest uh, on this list in terms of just like not being easily accessible lyrically or musically, like really mm-hmm. being complicated and and requiring the listener to to let it expand over time instead of hot takes. You know, I think it's almost like the equivalent of like, you know, indie films where, you know, it's, it's meant to challenge the audience and, and not be just popcorn fair. And, you know, once again, Alchemist is all over our uh, album selection. You know, clearly we have a, a predilection toward his beats or maybe it's just the MCs we gravitate toward um, like the complexity of, of what he provides them too. So really interesting. Now, I, I don't know, man. Um, I don't know how we do this because, okay, let's go back. We've got seven albums we agree on. Mm-hmm. Um, Benny and Harry Fraud, Plugs I Met Two, Evidence, Unlearning Volume One, um, Mad Lib, Sound Ancestors. Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Um, Damn. If, I, if, I, if, 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 we, if I gotta start pulling albums, right, to get to 10. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to go back and revisit some of the ones we agreed on. Uh, and, and you have that right, obviously, too. J. Cole, The Offseason, Crisis, The Hour of Crisis, Conway, La Maquina, um, DMX, Exodus. That's it, right? And so we have Outstanding, Judas and the Black Messiah, Sky Zoo, All the Brilliant Things, although that's one that I would put on here for sure, myself, Devin the Dude, Soulful Distance, Yoel Drew Time. I would also put this that on here. Makami, Pray for Haiti, Zarface and MF Doom, Super What, Arm and Hammer, and Alchemist, Harm. Haram. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Haram. <laughs> Haram. Damn. I thought I had it. All right. Good. Yeah, Haram. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, this is my pronunciation. I've been like fucking up all episode, but it's all good. No, you know? no, no, no. You're it's good. Early. It's early. Um, I don't drink coffee. I usually my my cardio is my coffee. I haven't had it, so I'm 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 here now. So um, yeah, man. Uh, any of any ones that you would pair or or say, okay, if if you had three to pick, what would yeah. they be? It would be Arm and Hammer and Alchemist. It would be, um, I think you're absolutely right with your old Droog. And the last one's tricky for me. I'm kind of on the fence between Mock and um, and uh, Zarface. For as much as I love Devin, and I wanted a platform to say that, and I wanted a platform to say that to you because you've been fronting on this album. <laughs> there's moments on that album that I think break the party. I mean, he has a song in there called My Left Nut Itch. And you and I even talked about this yesterday in regards to something else. And I think Devin has to appease a number of people. Well, I think he made an album that is one of the best. When you look at cohesive bodies of work, when you go from serious matters to a song about my left nut itch, it kind of throws things off a little bit. Um, so when it comes to those final three spots, you and I are agreeing at least on one of them in Drew. I don't know about your opinion on Armand Hammer, though. 
All right, so we got Drew. That's eight. There's two more. For me, I'm going with Sky Zoo, All the Brilliant Things, and Judas and the Black Messiah. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. The thing that I'm mad about. Wait, wait, though. Um, let me call Audible. Let me think about this. I might use my caveat as an out. <laughs> and I might say that because it's a soundtrack, I'm going to put it in a different category. I might say that. So if I'm going to do that, I'm going to go with Sky Zoo. Sky Zoo and you know what? I'm probably going to go with Arm and Hammer too. Yeah, that Arm and Hammer. And, and it's funny too. I mean, we had a very similar conversation in december of 2020 and we aired on the side and i'm that this has nothing to do with that but we included sky and drew at the end of the year and you know drew had just dropped in the final days of 2020 and you know i, I believe that time is something special i think sky zoo made something special but i i really think that haram is 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 one of those albums that benchmark 2021 and and um that that's the one for me, you know, that really belongs, belongs in here. All right. So we got, we're, we're green then on Haram. We got one more slot though, that we're arguing about, right? You got, yeah. um, I got Sky Zoo and who did you take for that? You took Zarface, right? <sighs> yeah. And that's, that's, I mean, I, I love Zarface. I disagree with you that this is their best work. I think Zarface did a really cool thing to make it fun for fans when they started to make projects like with Ghostface and with Doom. I'm a purist. I'm a hip hop conservative that always tends to think that things um, like don't screw with the ecosystem. I don't love that album. Um, you were much more taken with it when it dropped. It's not something I've run back to. Um, I'm, I'm just not, I haven't been ready for it. So my fight for that, between Zarface and Sky Zoo, I'm much more in favor of Sky personally. All right, so then we're agreed then. You know, for Zarface, um, you know, listening to it again later, you know, albums can flip the other way too. Yeah. And I realize what I love about it is the first four songs or so, first maybe mm -hmm. six. The the Doom side really I love, you know, and then it loses some steam for me um, in the second half. Um, Sky Zoo though, you know thematically incredible you know just the the concepts he's articulating uh the diversity of the music i think it gets stronger even in the second half like um you know i, I love the, the the first few songs free jewels and um song after that um but the second half is what spoke to me even more mm. but it's a it's a deep album and so um if you're agreed on sky zoo i think we might be agreed i am and i mean i love love is a strong word i like judah and the black messiah i think you were much more taken with that album than i've been although i agree with the tracks you spotlighted um you said something early on though and i just want to make sure we're fair to that you weren't sure about mad lib in the final moment are you in a good place with that 
So, okay. So Judas and the Black Messiah, it's not just, I'm not going to use a cop out of the soundtrack. It's also that there's half of it that I really like. Yeah. I mean, and half that I like, I love. And like, damn near all of them are featured on the playlist. But there's half that I actually don't like very much at all, you know? And so one of the criteria that you and I try and use for these great albums is that, I don't know what, 70% or so need to be kind of unskippable. Yeah. When you start talking classic, we're going to get to this in a second. When you get to that 90, 95% and above, yeah. um, where like maybe one song is skippable, and there's a lot of people who feel that song too. But Judas and the Black Messiah is not that. It's it's uneven, but the, the highlights are phenomenal for me. And it's it definitely one of my most played just because of the songs that I gravitate toward on the album. I said that about Mad Lib only because if I had to choose between Sky Zoo or... Um, or Droog, you know, uh, then I, I wasn't prepared to give up either one of those. You know, I was going to ride really hard for both of those because I think that both artists deserve this. And I think it gives our our playlist a nice well-rounded, our um, list a nice well-roundedness too of like yeah. embracing artists from all aspect of this, aspects of the genre. Um, but no, nah, Mad, Mad Lib absolutely belongs on there uh like you said and we both agreed it's one of the best instrumental hip-hop albums i believe in the last couple of years that pete rockland being another one so yeah no nah, no 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 uh, i'm no backpedaling on that one man i feel good about this list i know we said it might it might get real it really hasn't um and and i want to add too i mean this is that this is halftime you know where it's omatic Things change. I, I do want to ask you one question. We're not going to get into those albums, but is there an album that's dropped this year that we haven't talked about today that you feel like you have some unfinished business with that you're maybe it's dense, maybe it's not one that, that, that keeps coming back up in your rotation that we haven't included in this conversation that we may be talking about in September or in December? That we haven't included in the conversation uh, for AFH? I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I will say that I might feel differently about Makami by the time year ends, and I might be riding for that one. Like, um, and um, yes, but you know, there, there are some like guilty pleasures I'll say that I have that uh, I need to spend more time with, like Migos Culture Three. You know, I just uh, downloaded that on Friday and have been banging that. I, I really think that one's dope. Um, I need to listen to the Khaled album a little bit more. Uh, so there, there are albums that don't necessarily fit the AFH prism that I think might. And, you know, I've been known to ride for those before, like Travis yes. Scott and, you know. Um, and I'm glad you did. Yeah. So so that's something that I might I might have some discussions like that. But I think that the ones that will make it difficult over the next several months will be the new stuff that's dropping from the artists we're anticipating. Yeah, I imagine that, too. I, you know, I want to give. Uh, just an honorary shout out to Ransom. I mean, he's been incredibly prolific and, you know, um, put out a joint seven after seven deadly sins. It's a fresh album. It's dropped in the last 10 days. And that's one I'm still figuring out. It's very short, it's seven tracks long, but Ransom is somebody who's been around a while, is rapping at a very high level. He's been killing the features lately. And I know that that's a catalog in general that I need to spend more time with. We haven't mentioned Lloyd Banks in here. I'm okay with that right now. We gave Lloyd his flowers. That could very easily creep up later. And then the other album that that I think, you know, is is still within reach for me is Rome Streets. Another, you know, Brooklyn connoisseur rap. 
and he made a joint with Muggs that I keep playing. And Muggs is in a really interesting spot, you know, 30 years after Cypress Hill's debut, even longer after 783. Those could creep up, you know, and I, I love I love that you and I are people who who make these lists in pencil. I mean, they matter for the site, but especially with a halftime list, it's it really comes in at the end of the year. So I look forward to that. Word. Okay. All right. So let me recap just to make sure we're in full alignment. So we got Benny the Butcher and Harry Fraud, the plugs on that too. Evidence, Unlearning Volume One, Mad Lib, Sound Ancestors, J. Cole, The Off Season, Crisis, The Hour of Crisis, Conway, La Maquina, Sky Zoo, All the Brilliant Things, DMX, Exodus, Your Old Drew, Time, and last but not least, Arm and Hammer and Alchemist, Haram. Right? Work. We're good. All right, cool. So one last thing before we sign off. One of the things we talk about is things getting lost in the sauce. And um, and and we already alluded to it a bit earlier, uh, both favorably and negatively in terms of like how albums sound like six months later. So we wanted to talk about an album that you and I both declared the best of 2020 but did not for reasons, you know, did not make the, um, the Grammy cut because it didn't make the cutoff. And we thought it might get lost um, given its timing and the flurry of new albums coming out after that. That is Busta Rhymes Extinction Level Event 2. Um, six months later, what's your take on that album? We called it a classic back in the day. What's your take on it now? Yeah, I, I still consider that Busta's best solo album. I think that it is a stone in the sands of what the last year has been. I think it competes with any album on this list. And, and my hope is um, you and I have talked about this, the way that the Grammys tend to work and they try to get the new, you know, hottest artists, but also, really respect legacy and a little bit of revisionist history and in regards to possibly DMX, I hope that Busta gets that look for the next year's Grammys because that album, um, it's top tier contender and you can clearly hear it when you listen back, whether you listen then or you listen six months later, six, seven months later, that he spent years making that album. And I think that says a lot in this fast moving culture. Yeah, it's a sonic tour de force. It's got everything. And it, it's a rare album where listening to the album in order makes a difference. Like it, it just builds and builds and it has highs and lows. And, you know, I talked about Questlove in a past episode and his masterclass talking about, you know, a classic mistake of newer DJs is to try and like just go hit after hit after hit. And what happens is you fatigue the audience and, you know, at first it's dope, but then after a while, it's, oh, that's dope. I like that song. You know, the human brain just gets conditioned to whatever. We just start to take things for granted. So you got to go up and down to keep the journey really, really ascending. And this album does that. It's got, you know, an incredible guest list. The production is impeccable. Busta is talking about incredibly substantive things. He's got Minister Farrakhan on tracks. Um, he's got Kendrick Versus. He's got Q-Tip. Pete Rock, uh, Pete homages. Rock, he's showcasing multiple flows. Uh, it's just, it's just an incredible album from front to, and it's unskippable in my opinion. Like, and it's long too. It's like 17, 18 songs, not even counting the, in the deluxe editions, like 23, 24. And it doesn't feel that way. You know, nowadays, most of the albums we've talked about here are under an hour and many are under 40 minutes. You know, it's the new thing to have albums in the 30, 30 to 39 minute range. 
This is an album that is unabashedly uh, well over an hour and uh, it doesn't feel like it. So it to me is, you know, it's, it's right up there. It's right up there. Yeah, I mean, I give it up to Busta too. I, I criticize Devin for not being able to let go that part of his audience and you try to appease everyone. And I give you a lot of what you echoed in, in terms of, of dropping, you know, Zarface is how I feel about Devin. But I look at Busta, I look at making an album this long with this many songs, and he really does hit on every point of his career, every bucket of his fans from Native Tongues to, you know, the gangster rap side of Busta to the dance hall side, etc. And he still keeps it at that 90, 95 plus percent of, for me, and it sounds like for you, of, of satis audience satisfaction. And, and, we're, and we're, I don't like to call myself a critic, but we're, you know, we're hard to please at times. Word, word. All right, so anything else you want to cover? What do you anticipate right now? Because the season's closing. What do you see as the five albums that the Grammys nominate? Ooh, right now, man. Um, well, I, I hope the Busta gets in there. Yeah. Um, I really do. I'm not sure that he will. I think they'll, they'll nominate Khaled Khaled because that's the way the Grammys work. You know, um, J. Cole will definitely get nominated, although KOD did not. So I don't know that they, they're bugging sometimes. Um, I think that it's quite possible just because of the high profile nature that Jesus and the Black Messiah will also. Mm. And then coming in at number five is going to be, uh, I believe, DMX Exodus. And I think that X might take it for the win. I think that's a really, man, I mean, if I was a betting man and I did buy some lottery tickets yesterday, I like that projection a lot. I, um, yeah, I would love personally to see um, Ev in lieu of uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't, I will be clicking my heels together if a Rhyme Sayers release is nominated for a Grammy, but Ev, I believe, has a Grammy from what he did with Kanye West on uh, college dropout stranger things have happened and this is an era of leveling the field but um yeah i like i like that list and i hope busta gets the look so it's uh it's interesting and not for nothing the the cutoff is usually october anyway so there's a lot of a lot of baseball to be played where there's a lot you know if kendra comes out you know it could be like all bets are off then um drake is usually a, a grammy favorite too so there's a lot there's a lot that could happen but um, yeah, we have some good things to catch up on. Uh, you mentioned the evidence uh, interview, which is a great conversation. Um, so we'll, we'll catch up accordingly in the very near future. So what's your song of the week, man? My song of the week is uh, Avalanche by Migos. It's mm. the first song on Culture 3. Uh, it's a, they, they, they tap into the Papa Was a Rolling Stone Temptation sample. Oh, damn. Um, and you know, it's a much more traditional kind of rap flow than, than what people are used to hearing from Migos. I actually added it to the playlist. I think they smoke it. I think they smoke their LA leakers um, freestyle uh, they did this past week. Um, yeah, I, I dig this album. So I'm gonna go with that. How about you? You know, when, when, when Friday hit, uh, Droog and Sky were so good, just as another reflection of our list that usually I was working my way through the new releases. I haven't gotten to Migos yet. I have a five, six hour drive later today and I'm going to sit with that because I like, especially, you know, with those trap beats, I like, I like this, the car system for that. So I'm going to spend, you just made a convincing case. My song, we alluded to it on this podcast not that long ago, but I'm going to go with Been There, Done That by Dr. Dre. Um, album doesn't get a whole lot of love. I, I love that song as a kid. 
and uh yeah just dug the video about turning the pages and leveling up and yeah man i'm feeling that energy this week yeah that was my favorite song off off that compilation for sure um the aftermath presents yeah really dope word man well always a pleasure on these i'm curious to see what what the audience thinks um you know this is a i think a really interesting list i think it's going to stand out too which is one of our criteria so yeah man i think uh i think so too well let us know what you think Please apologies for any mispronunciations from either of us, and we'll move from there. We're 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 not perfect, but we try hardest. <laughs> Word up! All right, All right. peace. peace.